Hello, and you're very welcome to another edition of The Others, the Alan Kinsella podcast, where you look at small parties, groups and independents that have contested Irish elections over the years. This week, it's the turn of the Unemployed Protest Committee, who had Jack Murphy elected as a TD in 1957. This episode looks at both the committee and Murphy himself. Thanks to everybody who subscribed to the podcast. Thanks especially to those who've uh, subscribed to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash electionlit, to support both the podcast and, of course, the website. As ever, if you like an episode, please share it on social media, tell your friends about it, etc, etc. By the way, just during the summer, I'm probably going to do these every two weeks, just as uh, I tend to be doing stuff in the evenings and uh, and so on. If you want to contact me, I'm at electionlit on Twitter, Irish Political Ephemera on Facebook, irishelectionliterature.com is the website, and irishelectionliterature at gmail.com is the email. Thank you. In Ireland in the 1950s, there was a massive rise in unemployment. It was weird because it was, you know, the rest of the world was booming, the States and so on. Emigration, of course, was the was the usual safety valve. But, you know, all, uh, emigration wasn't the answer to everybody. Um, and, you know, not everybody was prepared to uproot their families themselves and, and to take the boat or the plane or whatever. And, you know, unemployment, it was poverty. A couple with two children on unemployment assistance were entitled to just one ninety a week. People lived on little more than bread, margarine and tea. On the 12th of, July, on the 12th of January 1957, a group called the Unemployed Protest Committee was launched in Dublin. A chair was borrowed from a local shop and a public meeting held out held outside Dublin's Warburg Street Labour Exchange. A committee of about 16 began to meet. Among their mem- number were Sam Lowland of the Irish Workers League, Johnny Mooney, Jack Murphy and William McGuinness. Almost immediately McGuinness pulled out saying the committee was dominated by the Communist Party, then the Irish Workers League, and set up a rival Catholic Unemployed Association. I'll do a bit more research on that and see if I can, uh, if they stood anyone for election. Um, use of a room was provided by the Dublin Trades Council and a march was arranged for January the 16th. About 100 men and a solitary woman marched through the city under a banner inscribed with support us in our demand for work. It was a time beginning, even the Catholic grouping was looking for a 50% increase in uh, welfare payments. Agitation was stepped up and more joined the ranks of the unemployed protest committee. Up to this point, most had looked to the Labour TDs to fight on behalf of the unemployed. Sam Nolan summed it up at the UPC meeting at the end of January. Surely it was the responsibility of the Labour leaders and deputies to work out some organised plan. After all, they were supposed to represent the working class. 
most members quickly saw that the Labour Party would contribute little more than empty platitudes. So this is a report from January uh, the 29th, 1957. A meeting of unemployed Dublin workers yesterday passed a resolution calling on the Irish Trade Union Council and the CIU to instruct Labour deputies to demand an emergency session of the Doyle to have the 11-point plan put forward by the Provisional United Trade Unions organisation put into effect. The meeting followed a protest march of about 800 men organised by the Dublin Unemployed Protest Committee through the city. Placards carried in the march board slogans such as 300 million invested abroad, no money for Ireland. Corporation must stop sackings. One million pounds of jet planes, now we must save. Revise import levies. 11,000 families live in slums, building workers idle. High rate of interest causing slump. Four young men marching in the front carried a black coffin inscribed the future. Mr. John Murphy, Secretary of the Committee, said they had shown themselves to be responsible and respectable body of unemployed Irishmen who were entitled to a stake in their own country. He hoped the trade union leaders would realise that they could no longer sit back and wait for someone to make a decision in the far off future. He appealed to the men to return peacefully to their homes. Mr. Samuel Nolan, a member of the committee, said they must impress upon the trade union leaders, the government and the Doyle deputies that they were not prepared to endure the blight of 95,000 unemployed in the country any longer. Only last Friday, the committee of the Provisional United Trade Union Organisation had met the Taoiseach and other members of the government. It was ironical that at the meeting there were Labour ministers listening to the trade union representatives making demands on them. Surely it was the responsibility of the Labour leaders and deputies to work out some organised plans eight or ten months ago. After all, they are supposed to represent the working classes, he said. We hope to channel the present discontent until we sweep away the present wrong policies and the men who are pursuing them, he added. So the government fell in the 4th of February uh, 1957 due to the support, withdrawal of the support clan public da. And this course led to the 1957 general election and provided an opportunity for the unemployed protest committee to dramatically escalate their process. Seeing the need to put employment on the political agenda, they decided to run a candidate. Jack Murphy said at the time, we thought all types of schemes to approach the politicians. We would ask them to make a statement from their election platforms or their policy to solve unemployment, on their policy to solve unemployment. But again, we knew that they would easily agree to such a suggestion during an election campaign, just as easily as they would forget the unemployed after they were elected. No, the only way to make these people understand that we were a force to be reckoned with was to contest a seat in the election. Two names were put forward as possible candidates at a meeting in Parnell Square, Sam Nolan and Jack Murphy. After much consideration, it was decided that Murphy would be more suitable. When some committee members suggested that Nolan might be the better choice, Pather O'Donnell argued that with the background as a leading member of the Communist Party, his candidacy might frighten voters away. Nolan himself pointed out that his communist credentials would have a negative impact as anti-communist sentiment was rife following the Soviet invasion of Hungary in 1956. 
It was decided that Murphy, with his Republican background, would run in Dublin South Central constituency. Firstly, because the inner city, this inner city constituency had a high population density, which would be more convenient to canvas compared to a large sprawling area. And secondly, it housed the largest labour exchange in Dublin city, Warbrook Street. The location offered a platform for the UPC to get their message across. They distributed leaflets outside Warburg Street. While across the River Liffey and Dublin's north side, they broadcast election messages from a UPC office at the Dublin Trade Union's Council in Gardner Street, with hired and borrowed loudspeakers speakers, to men signing on at the nearby Gardner Street Labour Exchange. Speaking at the final rally of the Unemployed Protest Committee in Christchurch Place, Dublin, last night, the candidate, Mr John Murphy, stated that when the unemployed marched in protest through the streets, they did so in all sincerity in an effort to spotlight their misery. The political parties, he said, had been putting their plans to solve the country's problems before the people. They would not keep their word, he said. They had not done so in the past, and they would not do so in the future. They, of course, they had to get a £100 deposit, which was a fairly hefty sum. And uh, including that 25 ca- each came from Toddy O'Sullivan, the manager of the Gresham Hotel, Father Coonahan, a Jesuit free priest, Fianna Fáil senator called Mooney, and Mr Digby, the owner of Pi Radio. So interesting people to come up with the deposits. Now, in that election... Murphy gathered 3,036 votes and was elected. His seat was gained at the expense of the Labour Party, who would run James Connolly's son, Roddy. Murphy's success was encouraging to unemployed activists and new organisations were set up in Watford and Cork. If the unemployed, through having one of their own in the Doyle, would force the government to take their concerns more seriously, they were in for a shock. Redeem promises called by workers. We demand that the new government carry out to the letter the promises they made during the general election campaign, said Mr S Nolan, chairman of the Dublin Unemployed Protest Committee, when he addressed a victory rally for Mr John Murphy TD. In Dublin Central, there was an angry feeling of protest among employed and unemployed men that will dog the heels of the incoming government to force them to adopt the policies they promised, he said. Mr Murphy said that the government should realise that the time was passed for for party politics. They should put the people of Ireland first. The people should continue to demonstrate and raise their voices against unemployment. And they should be supported by all the trade unions to force the government to face their responsibilities and make Ireland what it should be. There was also literal shock that Murphy had taken a seat. It was quite uh, it was quite a shock to the system. Now was Murphy going to change things elected to the Doyle? There were hopes, but they didn't quite turn out that way. Just a bit of background actually on Jack Murphy himself. Um, he was born in 1920 at the back of Sing Street in Dublin. His father was a carpenter. He joined Fina Aaron at the age of 10 and worked as an apprentice carpenter. Became a member of the IRA in 19, uh, in, at 16 and was also an active trade union member uh, from an early age. 
Um, and indeed, as a carpenter's apprentice, he became one of the leaders of a strike on the River Liffey Reservoir Scheme, popularly known as the Pulafuca Scheme. The strike lasted several months until only three of the original committee w remained, with Murphy being one of them. Arrested in 1941 by the Fianna Fáil government, he was interned with a number of other Republicans in the Curragh until the end of the emergency in 1945. These four years afforded him time to study, broadening his interest and outlook. A fluent Irish speaker, he was interviewed in Irish for his entry into the National College of Art and Design after his release from the Curragh. In the Mansion House exhibition of 1950, he won an Arts and Crafts certificate for this leather and craft work. He returned to his trade at Carpentry where he quickly was quickly re-elected shop steward and he took a leading part in several actions and strikes for better conditions, most notably the strike to end the campaign of sackings by employers which took place in 1953. However, in 1956, during record unemployed figures were reached in Ireland, he found himself one of the many thousands out of work. He emigrated to England but returned after four months as he missed his family. He later said, I am against emigration for many reasons. One is that it wrecks family lives. While I worked in England, I nearly broke my heart thinking of my wife and youngsters all the time. I was there. Here in Ireland, the clergy and politicians are always preaching about the sanctity of the Christian family, but they do nothing about the unemployment and emigration that is breaking up thousands of families. So anyway, a couple of... Uh, well, a couple of months after his election, we find that Mr. John Murphy TD and two members of the Dublin Unemployed Protest Committee, Mr. James Byrne and Thomas Cannon, both aged 29 years, and both unemployed labourers, went on a hunger strike at 10 o'clock this, this morning at the Unemployed Committee's rooms in Dublin. The hunger strike is in protest against the removal of the food subsidies by the government with consequent effect on the old age pensioners, the unemployed and the old age widows. Mr. Murphy and other speakers will speak at a protest meeting in Dublin tonight. So that was a, that was a big deal. Uh, you know, if you want to hit the poor, you get rid of food subsidies. The hunger strike had lasted for four days and each evening, several thousand turned up to protest meetings at the corner of Abbey Street and O'Connell Street. Over a thousand marched to Leinster House seeking a meeting with the Ministry of Industry, with the Minister of Industry and Commerce, Sean Lamas, who sneaked out the back gate. Resolutions began to come from trades, trades councils and union branches calling for a one-day strike. There was now a possibility of building the support campaign that could force the government uh, to back down. Murphy though fell sick and Byrne and Kavanagh called off the hunger strike on day four. To save face, the UPC arranged for trade union leaders to appeal for its end in order to save lives. Um, and, and the way it kind of got called off uh, caused much confusion and demoralisation amongst the unemployed and the supporters of Murphy. All that followed was a few delegations to plead with Fianna Fáil TDs and a meeting between Murphy and Catholic Archbishop McQuaid. McQuaid made it clear that he would not interfere in political decisions. <laughs> Which hadn't, uh, when you consider that was kind of, he did the mother and child scheme and God knows how, what else. He further warned Murphy of the dangers of associating with communists. 
The last big demonstration was a 2000 strong march from Sean McDermott Street to the Doyle. Jack Murphy opposed the demonstration, saying it conflicted with his Doyle work. And in August 1957, he broke with the UPC. So without, you know, the whole communist thing, the whole, the whole communist thing had kind of got really annoyed him. And there's other stuff too about his time in the Doyle. But the, the whole, the whole being labelled a communist really kind of annoyed him. And obviously him leaving the UPC left it without its main figurehead. You know, it was an organisation without without any anybody to head it really anymore. In the Doyle, he was both uh, critical and positive. You know, he gave solutions as well um, and suggestions. In view of the fact that there is still widespread unemployment in the building industry, would the teacher consider taking more drastic measures to bring about a revival of house building. In Dublin City, we have no concert hall, no proper houses of parliament, and we need more municipal buildings. The country needs these things very badly and they would give much needed employment to building workers. I speak, sir, with a sense of urgency, which springs from looking to unf at unfortunate men trying to survive in present conditions. He also attempted to get votes on uh, various t various things like increasing assistance for the unemployed. I wish to state that I am appalled at the callous indifference of the parliamentary secretary. The statement that there is no money to give these unfortunate people a further increase will be regarded by decent Christian people as a downright lie. I'm still convinced that with any kind of honest effort, the lot of the poorer sections of our people could be improved. The unemployed and the old age pensioners will continue to press for elementary Christian justice. I have asked and I now repeat my request for a free vote in the House on this issue. Despite his best efforts, it quickly became obvious that his perceived status as in the Doyle as a street politician meant he was seen as a threat to the established orders. Established politicians were more concerned with votes he had taken away from existing political dynasties than the national issues he was trying to address. He was literally being strategically ignored in the Doyle and, you know, um, and he was regularly under attack from members of the House. Fine Gael, Stephen Barrett declared the UPC and Murphy himself part of a new communist assault on Ireland. He made little headway in the political process within the Doyle. In the end, he admitted in despair that I found that Leinster House was more of a centre of political activity and useless talk than a place where plans could be made to ease the lot of the unfortunate. He was hitting this brick wall in the Doyle uh, with, you know, he was trying, doing his best trying to, I suppose he was a one-man one man party, one-man crusade for the unemployed and getting absolutely nowhere. And, you know, McQuaid, Archbishop McQuaid actually denounced the unemployment movement, which completely isolated him. Um, and he also faced a growing dissatisfaction at the lack of political progress coming from his supporters. 
He was now being forced to defend against the pressure coming from within the ranks of the UPC itself for him to take a more left-leaning agenda. And on the Saturday the 13th of May 1958, he yielded to mounting pressure and resigned his seat in protest at the indifference of the main political parties to the plight of the unemployed. Of his resignation, Murphy later stated, I was fed up with the callous indifference of the big parties to the situation of the workers. I resigned as a protest against appalling indifference of those parties to the unemployed. When Mr. De Valero was nominated for Taoiseach, I opposed him because he had broken his promise on unemployment and emigration. I told the House that my presence there was a symbol of broken promises. I said that I would support any scheme to put an end to mass unemployment and emigration. But in my 15 months in the Dáil, no one put forward such a scheme. And after he resigned as a TD, uh, of course he was unemployed again, discovered to his dismay that the result of his cards not being stamped during his time as office, he was no longer eligible for full assistance and reduced to living on the meagre sum of two pounds and one shilling per week for his entire family. And they emigrated, he emigrated to Canada. He emigrated to Sasquatchen. He returned to Ireland, Ireland in 1964 with his family. He ended up working in uh, Cabris and Coolock. And he worked there in 1982. He died on July the 11th, 1984. And it was when he was 64. Murphy had left the unemployed protest committee in late 1957. The by-election was 1958 and the Unemployment Protest Committee was still going and they selected Mr James Clark, a lorry driver of Blackditch Road, Ballyfermot, as their candidate for the by-election caused by Murphy resigning his seat. However, the Unemployed Protest Committee announced on Thursday night that their proposed candidate, Mr James Clark, had withdrawn from the election because he could not muster enough money and the whole unemployment unemployed movement kind of died out as there had been branches in Waterford and Cork as well but it kind of died out then after that thanks very much for listening thanks to everybody who's subscribed to the podcast especially the patreon it's patreon.com forward slash election lit supports of course the podcast and the website Thanks.